Do you have questions around humidity, mold, cleaning possessions, and testing? Then you need to be listening to today's show. I'm Alex Stewart, your host. Today is show 361 and you have just me with you today as I navigate a few of the most common DMs I'm getting, the most common questions that come up in our Lotox Club membership uh, group. Uh, And it's all about humidity, mold, testing, do I throw out, do I keep, what do I change, Um, how do I heal on a budget, I'm answering some of the most popular questions that come up time and again. Uh, I've had a lot of chronic illness complex cases in my coaching lately as well, and I'm going to incorporate a couple of the recurring themes of uh, support that I'm giving those clients too. Now, uh, of course, There are a ton of questions around mold. It's why I put on the 16 interviews and sessions in the Mold Festival, which you can download anytime as a library. Uh, They are game-changing interviews across all aspects of dealing with mold, whether it be illness, possessions, testing, building, insurance claims, legal claims. It's all covered there. Uh, and of course you have the, so you think you've got mold, uh, link to the post that I did that has all of our podcasts that we've done on mold, all of the stuff on my story and my history on mold, all in the one place to make it really easy for you to start to find solutions if you're dealing with mold. So I'm going to be answering some of the most popular questions I get around, uh, mold and, uh, the, the thing is, we don't always need to stress out and it's not always a massive problem, a huge uh, building remediation project as soon as you just see a bit of mould on uh, a, a dresser or behind a cupboard. Uh, so I'll be demystifying a few things because my chief thing with mould, there is a lot of fear-based marketing with mould and I get it. It is a tough subject. It can cause a lot of of health issues. I have been at rock bottom myself, so there's no one who knows how bad things can get with mould. But at the same time, I'm really uh, conscious of not wanting to make mould a panic subject for the many cases in which mould might show up in our lives where we simply do not need to worry so much. And there are some really practical things we can do to just become more literate about how to prevent it and about what to do when it gets there. So that's today's show uh, with me answering a few questions. And if you need more resources, you've got those details in the show notes. I want you to head to lotoxlife.com forward slash podcast and you will find everything you need hopefully. (laughs) If not, maybe book a session with me. I'll put the link to do that too. But I just want to do my absolute best to make sure people are well-resourced and literate 
when it comes to mold. So when you see it, you know what to do about it. You know how to know whether it's something you need to investigate with a building biologist or if it's something you need to just check on your indoor humidity uh, a bit better and bringing that down and cleaning the item appropriately and simply moving on with your week, which I can guarantee you in many cases is the case. So don't panic. Please go into this not panicking. Uh, and a big hug to the people who are dealing with mold illnesses out there. Uh, I, I absolutely know how you feel. So there is going to be some solutions and a few things uh, that will hopefully be useful to everybody, no matter what the situation in the next half hour. Now, I could not put this show on and all the free content that we provide uh, and all the time that I spend answering questions without our major sponsors for the podcast uh, and the brands that come along and help you make your low-tox swaps easier throughout the year. Uh, the highlight brand that's doing that this month, right up through till the, the 31st of December, is a brilliant low-tox pillow brand, Chiropractor Founded and Designed. Uh, I love Killer Pillar and I'm so thrilled over the COVID years when they moved back home to the U.S., they weren't sure whether they were going to be able to keep the business going. One of their suppliers went out of business and they're very specific about the materials they use in producing their pillows. So they shut up shop for a few years and I was so thrilled to see uh, the gorgeous Carolina, who is Dr. Todd, chiropractor's partner, uh, and she runs the business and works with the suppliers uh, to produce these wonderful pillows. Uh, she said they're back. And so we're back to give you 15% off Killer Pillar, K-I-L-L-A-P-I-L-L-A.com.au. Yes, that's a .au. If you live overseas, give them, uh, pop them an email and see what you can do about getting one where you are. But for the Aussies, you have 15% off the purchase and free shipping Australia-wide up until the 31st of December. It is a brilliant wool and cotton 100% exclusive pillow. Uh, and they're really interesting in their design. Todd is all about spinal alignment, as you can imagine, for a chiropractor. And he's done some fascinating research on that alignment and how it uh, then relates to things like good digestion, good sleep, less airway constriction, so less snoring, that's the good news, and of course, reducing neck and shoulder strain, pain and tension. Uh, and so that is why there's a bit of a dip in the middle, but your pillow comes with little adjustable inserts to really make sure you're cocooned and cushioned in the best way possible for your body. And they have a tween age sized pillow for the 8 to 12 year olds. So I highly recommend you check them out and you get that 15% off with the code LOWTOXLIFE until 31st of December. Oz Climate, of course, our major sponsor this year. Uh, you have 10% off their already discounted prices on Winix air purifiers and their dehumidifiers. And now, of course, also their portable air conditioner. Now, a lot of portable air conditioners are notorious for mold growth very soon into the piece. And then, of course, a huge landfill concern because uh, that's, a, that's a big hunk of stuff that you're throwing away there. But what is good about these is they actually have a filter grill so you can keep the dust out of your portable aircon 
and stop mould from growing inside the unit that is almost impossible to um, dismantle and service the traditional uh, air conditioner portable units. Uh, but I, I was thrilled to hear that they were incorporating this into their design. So you have all of those options. The main one I'm going to be talking about with you guys today on the show as we build mould literacy and mould prevention literacy is, of course, dehumidifiers. Um, and a lot of people ask me, do you start with a, a filter? Do you start with, you know, if you had to choose just one, do you go with a dehumidifier and air filter? And I got all the answers coming up in today's Frequently Asked Question show. So I'm going to hold off on those, but remind you that your code is LOWTOXLIFE and you have 10% off with Oz Climate. So here we go. Let's actually start addressing some of these common questions that I get. First question I heard recently was, I always open our windows because I heard airflow was the most important thing uh, when it came to uh, preventing mold. And yeah, it can be if you live in a climate where it's always under 60% humidity. If you find it fluctuates and your uh, weather patterns create humidity that's often over 60%, then air from the outside is only going to make the inside the same as the outside humidity. This brings me to my next question that I often get. How can I tell how humid it is inside? So we know that microbial growth starts from around 60% humidity. So keeping things dry on the inside often is paramount. What do I mean by often? I mean, it takes a day or two for mold, something like mold or bacteria to start to grow. Uh, and so if we can keep things dry often, so you don't need to run, say, a dehumidifier 24-7, but if you want to run it for a couple of hours a day or every other day for half a day, then that will be a great solution. Uh, and so how do you tell how humid it is inside? We love having a couple of hygrometers or humidity gauges uh, they can be called either, around the house. Uh, and these will be in the show notes for you so that it's nice and easy to grab the things you need. Uh, but Oz Climate, our major sponsor, if you're an Aussie listening to this, does sell them for around, I think it's $19.99. You can grab them online for similar prices all around the world. Uh, and what I love about it is it means that you can always keep an eye on humidity. So we have one in our living room, one on our kitchen, on our fridge, and one in our wardrobe, in the bedroom. So in three completely different areas of the house. And that way we can monitor the humidity uh, as uh, as we see it. And sometimes because it's been raining, for example, our great indoor air humidity will go from 55, say, to 80, 85. And that doesn't mean we have a leak or a water damage situation. Uh, I've got plenty of places for you to see uh, in the show notes and, and read up on, on how you can figure that out. Tea staining on the ceiling, 
actually hearing drips in the drywall from the roof, knowing you might have a cracked tile, bubbling paint, those sorts of things mean water damage uh, or really musty smell or wet carpet and, you know, maybe that's a rising damp issue. But if it's just humidity from rain or from a really humid season, then just keeping an eye on those humidity gauges will let you know when it's time to put your dehumidifying plan in place. Now, some HVAC systems, some split systems have dry settings and the and air conditioning in general can dry the air out quite well by quite a few percent. However, to really dry a room out if you're constantly uh, cooking or after showers, things like that, then you really want to make sure that you are as proactive as you need to be. And this is where the humidity gauges help because you see the percentage and you see it getting over 60 and you know that if it's going to sit over 60 for a couple of days, then you are going to need to dehumidify. The next question I get is, how do I know what size I need of a dehumidifying unit? Uh, And by the way, I've put a couple of international options in the show notes as well, so that no matter where you are, uh, you can uh, get your dehumidifying action plan in place because not all dehumidifiers were created equal. And often a lot of people buy like a little 10 litre dehumidifier for a living kitchen, dining, a combined open space, and it is not going to make a dent in your humidity or have any kind of meaningful impact on mold growth. So uh, depending on the size of the room is depending on the type of the unit. And you want a unit like it'll say, for example, 16 litres. And when it comes to Oz Climate, for example, that means it can take 16 litres. That little motor that's in the 16 litre compact dehumidifier will be able to extract 16 litres of water over a 24 hour period. Uh, it doesn't mean it has a 16 litre tank, for example. So the more litres you see on the brochure, the more it's going to be able to extract. And so, for example, in our large living room, Uh, which is probably about six or seven metres by four or five metres, I guess, Uh, then that's where we run the 50 litre. We run the 50 litre to blast our master bedroom and it deals with the walk-in wardrobe as well. We run the 50 litre to blast the kitchen overnight, for example, um, because it's near the terrace and it rains on all three sides of our terrace. Uh, So if it's been raining, then the kitchen needs a bit of help with those walls, getting them nice and dried out. Uh, So what size do you need? It depends on how high your ceilings are, on how big your room is. But most companies will put a square meter or a square feet guide depending on the sizes uh, that they have in their range. Uh, As a guide, For larger rooms, you want a 35 litre or a 50 litre capacity. And for smaller spaces like bathrooms, running a a compact dehumidifier after a showers, um, you know, the family has their showers after dinner, let's say, and then you you run it for a couple of hours or a study or a smaller bedroom, then a 16, 20 litre is completely fine. So if you then have a large living, dining, kitchen situation and you have high ceilings or 
mezzanine style living where the stairs go up and then there's a landing and it's all part of a huge space, then you might need to run a 50 litre at the top of the landing and a, a 50 litre in the main large room downstairs. And that is what you might need to actually keep that space uh, lower in humidity. So the next question I get is, uh, in terms of dehumidifying, aren't they hot and noisy? And this is a common one. And yes, my husband hates that they add heat and uh, my dog hates that they hum and they're noisy. However, if you strategically put them where you are not, then it's not a problem. And running a fan or an air conditioner a little bit afterwards uh, is going to just uh, bring that air, cool air right back uh, very, very quickly because it's dry, so it's easy to change the temperature, whereas when it's hot and humid, it's very, it's much harder to bring that temperature down. So don't worry too much about the heat and don't worry too much about the noise because the way you are going to run the units is by thinking, where am I not? And I'm going to run them in those spaces that part of the day and the other spaces in the other part of the day. So what that looks like for us in a two-bedroom uh, large apartment is we run the dehumidifiers when it's over 60% or when it's raining in our bedrooms during the day and we have one 50 litre. So I'll run it for sort of say three or four hours in our master and then move it over to my son's room three or four hours there uh, and then uh, when it is sleep time, that is when I will alternate it between our living space and our kitchen space. Why am I so, I will literally die on a hill saying <laughs> everyone needs dehumidification strategies. I'm so passionate about this because we have so many human or climate impacting mold situations that aren't water damage or, for example, when there is water damage, we don't have the dehumidification strategies in place to minimize damage to our house and possessions and to reduce the amount of mold growth and proliferation before you can get your repairs done. So I genuinely believe this is either a safety measure for all climates or an essential measure for climates that experience seasonal humidity. Uh, and so hopefully that point of thinking, where am I not? So running it in the bedrooms during the day and running it in the living and kitchen spaces during the night means that you're not going to have to be in the room with the loud humming and the warm air. And then you can create some great air exchange when you wake up uh, and open your windows. It doesn't matter if there's a bit of humid air. I don't want people to think it has to always stay under 60. Remember, it takes one or two days. And fresh air is important. So air exchange is important, but also uh, so is making sure everything stays nice and dry in general. And so my couch, for example, I didn't run the dehumidifier overnight here. It was 70% humid when I looked at the humidity gauge this morning. But because I ran it yesterday morning in here, it hasn't had time to develop uh, mustiness or damp and uh, because I'll run it again tomorrow morning I usually do every two days uh, to save on energy costs and moving things around uh, then it's not going to have a chance to get uh, damp and humid in here 
so hopefully that is helpful. Just think about where you are not and run your dehumidifiers accordingly. Uh, if, of course, you live in a passive house or you have uh, a mechanical air exchange system where you are also filtering and dehumidifying with a, a, a master concept that's a part of your HVAC uh, or a part of your passive house uh, strategy, then um, you're going to be less likely to need actual dehumidifying units. But most people need them. Uh, in terms of the amount of people I've talked to, the amount of people who get their humidity gauge, hygrometer online, and then they think, wow, I didn't realize how often it gets over 60%. So if you're not sure, your first step is to actually get the hygrometer the, or the humidity gauge, uh, get two or three so you can put them around different places in your home and just walk past them and be aware every now and then over your day and see where you might need them. Next question I get is, how many do I need? We have a 50 litre and a 16 litre compact. I run the 16 litre in the bathroom and the laundry spaces uh, to keep humidity down in those smaller rooms. And it also works for my son's bedroom, which is like a three by three metre um, uh, smaller type of uh, double bedroom. Then we use the 50 litre between the living and the master and the kitchen where we need a more uh, intense motor. The 35 litre would probably be okay as well in terms of sizes. Uh, so that is fine for our two bedroom apartment. So have a think about your type of space, whether you have an upstairs, downstairs, you don't really wanna be lugging units between the two floors. That's another thing to consider as well. Uh, next question is, um, I'm looking at my list. Uh, do, if you could only choose between an air filter and a dehumidifier, what would you choose? Now, most people would think straight to the filters because if you have a mold problem, for example, or um, people who are sick in the house, then you would think I need to clean my air. But if you have an ongoing humidity issue, that is keeping the microbial growth alive and allowing for proliferation of mold spores. So actually, I would say if you can only get one thing between a dehumidifier and an air filter, and you have a mold problem rather than an asthma dust mite kind of problem, which would definitely be more of an air filter situation, then I would go dehumidifier as the top priority because you want to arrest the microbial growth. Uh, and this is beyond talking about today's show is not talking about remediation and, um, and fixing houses and things. We've got plenty of resources for that. Um, today, I'm really helping you step through some of these more practical day-to-day, I don't want my clothes and my bags and my shoes to get moldy in the summer kind of situations. Um, but dehumidification is going to mean you save your possessions from getting moldy over the summer and, and humid seasons or rainy seasons or hurricane storms, whatever you're dealing with, wherever you are in the world. And it's also going to mean uh, that you your soft furnishings are protected. You don't get mold in your grout, your shower anymore. 
I do not want to try and give you lots of different ways to use essential oils, which by the way, can sometimes be damaging to grout and weaken grout. So not always a great idea uh, when cleaning uh, in bathroom spaces, much better to actually attack a problem before it starts. So I would say baking soda is your best bet for grout. I get asked this question a lot of times. Awesome. Um, uh, hydrox, uh, hydrogen peroxide can be helpful uh, if you're wanting to bleach and remove the staining aspect without or oxygen bleach that you might use for your laundry. Have a go with that. It's not an exact science and people get really mixed reports, as did I used to when I used to try and clean grout uh, and silicone in my shower space. But do you know what meant I never had to worry about that ever again? just running a dehumidifying unit a couple of hours a night after we've had our family showers after work and school and everything. That is the best way to literally never have to worry about cleaning your bathroom and worry about how to get stains out of grout. Just forget about it. Then you can just use something like a simple non-toxic Castile soap, very easy cleaning. Just make sure you're squeegeeing after your showers to keep the moisture off the tiles. That for me is a far better strategy moving forward than arguing with people over the internet, all the different ways you can try and clean grout and then it working for some people and not working for other people and you wondering why things aren't working for you and weakening potentially your grout with things like uh, bleach type products, like the mainstream products that are definitely not good for grout, ironically, even though they often have pictures of bathrooms in their advertising, um, you really would be much better placed to keep your bathrooms dry. That's how you want to keep mold away. Hopefully that's a helpful revelation for people out there. Uh, now, Obviously, uh, a lot of people ask in terms of uh, mold testing, and I did want to cover this in today's show, how do I know what to test and how do I know what kind of professional to engage? So I wanted to spend a little bit of time on this because uh, this confuses a lot of people uh, and depending on uh, who you're following online and, and where you're um, getting your information from, you can end up more confused than when you start. So I want to make it really simple for the uh, Australians listening or maybe some of the European countries where ERMI testing isn't quite, uh, doesn't carry the same weight in terms of legality and insurance claiming. Air testing, tape samples, so tape lifting and swabbing tend to be the preferred testing methods if you are dealing with insurance companies or making a claim with housing or fair trading uh, or an employer uh, or a commercial property. You really want to have that kind of evidence because that is the kind of evidence that is accepted. But what you don't want, and this was something that came up in the Mold Festival interviews and a reminder that I've put the link if you want to access that library, it is honestly just so fantastic how much goodness came out of those interviews. Uh, when I interviewed uh, Dave Keane, um, he is an advocate for people making insurance claims and, and used to work for insurance companies. So he really knows his stuff. 
And we talked about how you absolutely don't want the person who is coming to test the air uh, for an insurance claim to test in the middle of a room uh, because that is likely to produce very low levels and be the least affected area in the room. You want to test the air right next to the bubbling paint. You want to agitate your carpet before the air test uh, by just sort of rubbing your foot in it. Wear a mask, obviously. I always say N95 mask at absolute minimum and some goggles if you can. If you're doing any kind of agitation or lifting up a carpet, you really want to be very careful because it can make you sick. Um, but you want to test the air if that's all they're going to test, if that's all you can get tested through, say, an insurance claim, then make sure you are with them and make sure they're testing right next to the area that you are worried about having been damaged or causing illness, which will be near a wall or right near the carpet. And also useful, and any building biologist or mould technician is going to do this, is to test with an air control outside. So you get the atmospheric reading as well as what's happening inside where you think the problem is that you're trying to claim for. Swabbing is very helpful for air conditioning units if you're trying to see whether it might be your HVAC or your split system or your inverter that is making you sick. We tested ours when we first moved in and I noticed some spots on the uh, little flaps and I said, we are not using that until we get that tested. Sure enough, uh, Nicole Bilsma came and tested it with her students and what did they find? 170,000 spore count per centimetre of cladosporium, which is one of the more allergenic moulds. Not necessarily neurotoxic, um, but very um, important to keep low for your immune system and allergies uh, and respiratory symptoms. So uh, that was done with a swab. You can also do tape lifting on things like furniture. If you're worried about your couch, maybe you bought it secondhand and then you notice you get palpitations when you sit on it. Um, rule out whether you're sitting in front of a modem because that can also cause palpitations, being too close to a computer modem, internet modem. Uh, but if that's not in the picture and it really just seems to be when you're on this couch, you can swab that and, and tape lift uh, sample it and see whether the couch might be causing your issues. If you're doing an air sample of a couch, again, like a carpet, you want to pound it a bit, agitate it, and then collect the air sample right above it, not in the middle of a room next to no furnishings or walls uh, where you're going to get a much more accurate picture of what's going on. And then, of course, there's the wonderful ERMI test. While this doesn't hold up in proceedings here in Australia, uh, in terms of uh, legal proceedings so much, uh, it may, if you're then able to get someone amazing like David Lark, the mycologist, to then uh, present, like to, to be a, a legal um, uh, a person that people can question in a courtroom, uh, for a case so that they can back up and explain ERMI science, it's PCR technology. Um, it's definitely useful if someone is sick uh, and you're not making legal and insurance claims. Uh, it is the test that Dr. Richie Shoemaker popularised to assess whether they may be damaging water damage specific moulds uh, and, and the ERMI and the Hertzme tests are the ones that you can do for that. Now, 
you can get that testing uh, ordered online and you can do it yourself. So they will send you a Swiffer cloth. It's a type of cloth that you collect dust in either the specific room that you're worried about or lots of different parts of your home to get a bit of an average of what's happening in your house. And then you send it back to them and they run it and analyze it and you get the report on uh the specific water damage molds that you'll see in the hurts me section only, and then all the different types of molds that they can test for uh, to see what kind of uh, counts and what levels are safe and what levels are normal versus what levels really are not. Uh, So those are the different types of testing. And then in terms of engaging a professional, in Australia here we have mold technicians and building biologists. But not all building biologists and mold technicians are created equal because not everybody invests in all of the testing equipment, the scanners, the infrared readings, uh, the different types of tools cost several thousands of dollars worth of investment for them to bring to appointments to make their assessments and to decide what samples they're going to be doing. Um, Building biologists won't even always swab or sample or suggest an ERMI. So it really is important that you have enough literacy to demand, especially if someone's unwell in the house, that sampling is done so you can get a picture of what type of species you are dealing with uh, when it comes to mould in your home. Very, very important. Uh, And so you have air, tape lift, swabbing and these are very helpful in Australia and in overseas of course as well if you're trying to get a a picture and you want to do a few different types of testing but especially in Australia if you're trying to make insurance and legal claims uh, or show things to a landlord let's say but in uh, America and worldwide as well if you're dealing with illness if you want to actually start working on your health I have found the ERMI to be the most impactful one to start thinking about what types of species are growing. Uh, And of course, um, it will let you know if they're the kinds of molds that are specific to water damage, like your aspergillus, like your um, catomium, bestachybotrys, uh, wolemia, those sorts of molds. Then you then know you need to start talking remediation uh, and start talking to a remediator. Uh, and again, you are the client, please don't tell them they're just going to come and spray something. They call it fogging and your problems will be fixed. You absolutely want to make sure that the mold is removed. You don't want to, um, try and kill the mold. That is a very, uh, very inexact science. Uh, there's arguments, uh, in the research that say you can actually make mold angrier if you don't kill it all, uh, it can become resistant to trying to be killed, Uh, Mold removal is the key, the way forward. Uh, Encapsulators are interesting. Uh, On the Mold Festival, we had Andy Pace, who's uh, the founder of the Green Design Centre. I've had Andy on the podcast as well a couple of times. And he has a product uh, uh, that he sells through his business in the US called Callowells, which is a mold encapsulator. So if you can't afford a remediation, encapsulation could be the kind of technology. It kind of basically sort of traps the spores and stops them from um, off-gassing mycotoxins and the like. Uh, Again, there will be professionals that will argue with each other about what the best way forward is. 
but and like I said, I can't solve every problem in half an hour, 45 minutes, but hopefully with some of the questions I've answered today, uh, they will give you a little bit of an insight into some of the things that you can do. If you're trying to heal from mold, I get a question around budget and um, it's so expensive. What can I do that's the cheapest stuff I can do? The number one thing I always recommend is make sure you're laughing. Are you getting in touch with laughter every single day? Because laughter gives you hope, reminds you why we're alive, reminds you that life is joyful, even if you are really, really sick right now. It might feel counterintuitive. You might want to wallow in everything that's so awful right now. I know I've been there myself, but please know me when I say uh, laughter is important. Download a couple of favorite funny podcasts, watch a Netflix comedy special, uh, watch old friends or Seinfeld episodes if they were favorite shows and comforting as well can be really helpful when you're sick. And of course, tons of time in nature, as much time as you possibly can spend outside uh, rather than inside, especially if it is the inside of your home or workplace making you sick. Uh, Charcoal is a great cheap binder that you can take at bedtime and let it run its magic overnight. And you might want to consider things like magnesium oxide or magnesium citrate that flood the intestines with water to keep the bowels moving if you're taking something like charcoal so that you're not uh, trapping and recirculating toxins. And then, of course, sweat. Sit in the sun. If you can't move, exercise, afford a sauna, just sit in the sun for half an hour and get the sweat glands going. Uh, sit in a warm bath for a bit and uh, and let that hydrotherapy work its magic. Run a little cold shower right at the end. Stimulate the immune system a little bit. Get the dopamine going. You don't have to do expensive, fancy protocols to move forward. And that's something that I get asked about a lot. So in this show, we've talked a bit about humidity. We've talked a bit about considering different units and what you might need and how you might know when you need to switch them on. We've talked a bit about testing and we've talked a little about some really inexpensive options for your health. If you need more support when it comes to mold, boy, have I got a lot of resources over the last seven years since I developed SIRS, Chronic Inflammatory Response Syndrome. And you will find lots of articles, resources, podcasts, my whole story, and a link to the Mold Festival library, which you can buy and download and access anytime. And then, of course, a final reminder is that we have the Low Tox Club, where I'm regularly answering questions in our support group on all sorts of low tox topics and mold. And I was just helping someone choose a couch yesterday because they found that their couch was the main culprit in their living space. So that's the kind of stuff that just comes up and I'm always helping people out there as well. And that's like the cost of a cup of coffee a month, uh, $49 Australian a year, which is about 30 US or Euro. And you can join us and we talk all things low tox, everything from my kid needs a new drink bottle. What are you guys using to, um, my mother-in-law uses fabric softener. How do I tell her it's not okay? We we talk about all sorts of things in there. It's a beautiful supportive group, judgment-free, and you don't have to buy any specific type of product 
to be a member. It's not a secret society where it's one brand or the highway. It's a very inclusive, beautiful, non-judgmental space. So you can check that out, lowtoxlife.com forward slash. Ooh, I don't know what the forward slash is for the club, but on lowtoxlife.com in the menu, if you see explore the tab, it is the very first option. You can come join us there. So there's a few solutions and a few answers to some very common questions I get when it comes to mold and humidity. I hope it was helpful and I'll see you in next week's show. And that is today's show. Thank you so much for tuning in. A reminder we and have that is so many show. fantastic you so shows much in our for archives these days. A reminder if we have this particular so topic was helpful to you. Head over to lowtoxlife.com particular topic was helpful to you. And click to on the podcast directory which gives you food and body home the podcast directory which gives you food segmented so you can see all the shows that we've done in all of those areas and segmented so you can see all the shows that we've done in all of those areas and head straight to what you want. A reminder, we also have 10 fabulous health professionals and experts over the years to support you on your low-tox journey, whether it's making daily swaps, getting ready to make babies, whether it's making daily swaps, you can hit the courses tab on lowtoxlife.com to explore those. And lastly, I would love to meet you on socials to explore those. And lastly, I head over to always such a pleasure to chat on Instagram you guys are going when you share favorite shows always such a pleasure to chat and see how you guys are going when you share little reminder of course that all of our shows are not intended as medical advice a little reminder of course that all of our shows are not intended as medical advice and maybe help you explore intended to open yet the minds and hearts of people and maybe help you explore something you hadn't considered yet but please always check in have time to leave us a review wherever you listen to this podcast that would just if you have time to leave us a review to me because you this podcast that would just mean and the have world other people to me because have confidence that that thing that considering pressing play on other people have confidence that catch you for the next show you tune into thanks for joining me again this is Alex Stewart I'll catch you for the next show thanks for joining me again this is Alex Stewart founder of Lotox Life